Not only did the Cowboys beat the LA Rams dominantly, but they gave fans exactly what they wanted on Sunday. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and smash the like button for me as you join the stream because that helps us put this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. Happy Sunday night to everyone tuning into the show right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the Cowboys had themselves a game today. They dominated the LA Rams in what was supposed to be a little bit of a closer game. I will say this, the betting books, the, the sports books, did not expect that close of a game. Maybe fans did a little bit more, and we did at least here on primetime. But the Cowboys were six, even seven-point favorites right at closing. They ended up winning 43-20. to 20. An impressive scoreboard, if you ask me. Yet a reminder of several things that we'll get to later on the show. I will say this, though. The Cowboys are very well built. For when they have a slight lead in a game, I don't think the rival matters in this sense. But if you, if the Cowboys have a two-possession lead early in the game, they are built to put their foot down and just keep going. With the way that their pass rush is set up and everything, if you need to throw against this defense, then you are in trouble. You are in trouble. But tonight, we'll talk about the offense as well. Actually, we'll push the defensive conversation for a little bit further down uh, the road tonight. However, I want to start by talking about what the Cowboys gave us that was so special today. Because in my opinion, we went into the bye week concerned about the Cowboys offense. We had several complaints. We had several concerns. We wanted some changes. And I believe the Cowboys gave us some. So my question to start the show from me to you is, do you agree or disagree that Mike McCarthy deserves an applause, a round of applause after today's game? Do you agree or disagree with that? And I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean. In week six, when the Cowboys beat the LA Chargers and Dak Prescott had himself a game and CeeDee Lamb had himself a game, we still had a lot to complain about. I don't think that should be the case tonight let me know what you guys think because one of the things that i loved to see is that we called for more trip formations the cowboys gave us more trips i actually asked around and got some numbers the cowboys ran trips 17 times today now this might be a little bit controversial because some people count three by one formations and trips formations differently than others some might count the tight ends in certain situations if they're flexed out. Some might count them if they're attached to the line, etc. So this might be controversial. But still, the Cowboys ran trips 17 times, which is tied for first in the entire NFL this week. The tight end was attached to the three side five times. He was away from the three side 
five times. The Cowboys also used 11 snaps of 12 personnel. They used 22 personnel in six snaps, 13 personnel in four snaps. They used motions 12 times. More often than not, it happened in early downs. So we just saw a much more dynamic and less static offense. First drive of the game, we saw a lot of trips. We saw Jake Ferguson being put into this outside motion at the snap like the Miami Dolphins have done this season. We saw jet motions. We saw all sorts of stuff. And they force-fed C.D. Lamp. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Before, though, let me see what you guys have to say here in the chat. Uh, Katharina agrees. Toxic Tom says, I partially agree. Jeff Clark says, I definitely agree. Shout out to Bruce. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, Bobby King says, yep, and Dak Prescott as well. Michael says, agree. He was very aggressive on early downs. They also stretched the field more vertically. We'll actually get into some of those numbers in a little bit here. Ines also happens to agree. I'm giving Mike McCarthy credit where credit is due. We asked for chains. Uh, for changes, we, we knew that the Cowboys needed to make some changes, and they came out of the bye week very well prepared. Now, one of the main things about today's game was CeeDee Lamb being used as a true number one wide receiver. You know the timeline by now. We have pretty much gone over it time and time again, but I will do it again. Week five after the San Francisco 49ers loss, CeeDee Lamb is extremely unhappy. He shows it in, in interviews. He shows it on the sideline. He's not happy. Basically calling for the ball more often. He kind of gets it in week six because he is targeted seven times versus the Chargers. He moves the chains All of those in all of those catches. Has a good game. But still, he's not even the most targeted player on that one. It's Michael Gallup. So he's out-targeted by, by uh, Michael Gallup. And many of the targets came in these broken down plays where Dak Prescott was running the scramble drill and he connected with CD. This time, though, the objective was clear. Get the football to CD Lamb in any way you can. Ends up with 14 targets. No other Cowboy player had five targets. And CD had 14. 12 catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Impressive game. From CD. Now, the route chart, which is up on the screen right now, is insane. This was not CD Lamb running slants all day long and spamming the slant button. This was CD going downfield. This was CD working the flats in the quick game. He was doing a little bit of everything. And how about these next gen stats? CD Lamb became just the fourth receiver to finish with multiple receptions on five different routes over the last two seasons. Tyreek Hill has done it twice. So he had multiple receptions on five different routes. Think about how crazy that is in the first place. And he had some insane plays. Early in the game, second and 17, he's targeted on this land, and he moves the chains by basically breaking to the outside after the catch, breaking tackles, finding open space, moves the chains. He goes vertical while Dak Prescott is uh, scrambling, stays where he should be, gets a catch. High points the football near the sideline, 20 yards down the field. 
CD Lamb was just on fire today versus the LA Rams. And you got to appreciate him showing up when he is asking you for the football. I'm going to say something. Uh, CD Lamb is not quite there yet in, in the conversation to be the best wide receiver in football, right? You got players like Justin Jefferson in that conversation. You got guys like Jamar Chase. You got those sort of uh, well-established players that are recognized in that national level. And not that CeeDee Lamb isn't, but I think that very few people would try to make the case for CD to be the top wide receiver in the league. These sort of games at a consistent rate are the sort of games that get you in that conversation. So pretty excited about what's next for CD. And uh, I agree with Toxic Tom here. On Lamb's route graphic, what I notice is look at the middle of the field. Yes, sir. Look at those targets. And the fact that Dak Prescott is also very successful working in the middle of the field is just something that you got to appreciate as well, man. CD, CD puts together a few more of these games at a more consistent rate, and he needs the help of the offense for that. He needs, to, uh, he, he needs the uh, help from Mike McCarthy, the help from Dak Prescott, obviously, to get there. But CD is playing at a very high level, and you gotta love that. Michael says definitely a consistency thing with CD. Dexter says he already out. He's already out. Shake my head. Dallas Soros don't know when he's coming back. I don't know what that one uh, is about. Uh, Dexter, let me know if you've got some more context there. I think you're talking about Tyron Smith, though. We'll see. <laughs> Shout out to Toxic Tom, Toy Ranch. Hit the like button for us, man. Got to appreciate you joining the show and taking the time, investing your time on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime and engaging with the show. Appreciate you, man. Anyways, you don't get that game from CD without Dak Prescott being willing to really take some risks here and there and push the football downfield because Dak did so. Dak had himself an amazing game, 25 completions in 31 attempts, good for 304 yards. Four touchdowns, one pick. And how about these details right here from Next Gen Stats? Dak completed eight of 11 passes over 10 air yards for 153 yards, four touchdowns. That is a tie. That is tied for the most touchdowns in a game this season, which kind of impressed me. It is still week eight, but impressed that there are no five touchdown games this year. Anyways, Prescott actually set season highs in completion percentage over expectation, as well as success rate. Dak was out there working, and the numbers do not really tell the whole story, as impressive as they are. Look at the chart. You have Dak Prescott working behind the line of scrimmage, the short game, the intermediate game, the deep game. Dak Prescott was working everything, and even though... We mentioned that no other player other than CD had over five targets. Brandon Cooks had four. And Michael Gallup had four. And uh, Michael Gallup had three, excuse me. Jake Ferguson had four. Turpin was targeted twice in this game. Lux Kuhnmaker was targeted. Rico Dowdle as well. Pollard, Tolbert, and McKeon. Those last two actually didn't record a catch, but they were targeted. Uh, Hunter Lipke was targeted, but uh, that was Cooper Rush actually at the end of the game. What I'm trying to say, though, is 
the Cowboys spread the football around very efficiently, and it was fun to see that. Now, we've already talked about that connection with CD. Dak Prescott said after the game that it's the time investment paying off. We know that they really worked very hard this offseason, probably the most they they have ever worked uh, together out of the regular season. So they're basically... Taking, uh, making the most of it. You know, the incentives are already being paid off for Dak Prescott and CD, but those were not the only highlight worthy plays. That throw over the seam that he had for Jake Ferguson was arguably the best shot from Dak Prescott today. I believe so. That was pretty much a perfect pass. Jake Ferguson also does his thing, brings down the football. Basically, the play that we didn't see Luxkin make or make uh, earlier in the season, or we didn't see Michael Gallup make versus the Chargers, that throw over the seam, which Dak Prescott absolutely loves, by the way. Jake Ferguson was there for Dak, brought it down, touchdown. And then there's the Brandon Cooks deep shot as well, where Brandon is just winning with speed, and Dak is just dropping it right there in the bucket for him. So pretty much a masterful performance from Dak honestly that might be a strong word for you but I don't think it is unfair that was a masterful performance from Dak today so you have you have to uh really really be happy about him getting into a rhythm which is something that he also said after the game he said hey we gotta make it three games now versus Philly next weekend which is one of the most important games in the year for the Cowboys, especially now that the number one seed of the NFC seems to be back in play. 49ers lost for the third consecutive week. They are 0-3 since losing to the Cowboys in week five. I don't know what to make of that, honestly, but some of the turnover luck is catching up to Brock Purdy. So we'll see how, how long it takes for the 49ers to really fix their problems. But for now, it's all about Cowboys and Philly. Next Sunday, the Cowboys will travel to the Eagles, and it should be a fun game. I cannot wait to get ready for it with you uh, during this week here on Primetime. Five-time champs says that seam pass was beautiful. Really was. Really was. And one of the when you think about how good Dak Prescott is, even though he, he um, still gets a lot of hate from some fans and from some media members. Dak Prescott is really one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL easily. And one of the biggest reasons why has to be that precision that he has in those throws over the middle of the field and those downfield throws just overall does a tremendous job of it. Now, speaking of Dak and speaking of CD and everything, some of the things that I liked about CD, we saw high level route running that touchdown that he has where the Cowboys, by the way, are working out of trips. So three receivers to the right side, and then CD is playing iso ball on the backside of the play. The Cowboys are just occupying the safeties on the other side. CD gets a one-on-one look on the left side, and he kind of does the kind of like a starter step, kind of like a shake step, and just literally does shake off the defender, and he's working all alone in the end zone. Just... Amazing work from him, high-pointing the football as well near the sidelines. There is that one play where he is 
I don't want to say mossing the defensive backs. I think that term gets wrongly used a lot of the time. But he's winning one-on-one, jumping for the football. Gotta love it. Now, Dak Prescott. I talked about the Ferguson throw. I wanted to talk about him versus the Blitz. Do not have the numbers on that yet. Uh, It probably will be until tomorrow when PFF releases them. But it seemed from watching the game that Dak was on point versus the Blitz. There's this one play where actually CD gets a one-on-one look on the right side. The corner has some outside leverage on him, works to the inside, and Dak just nails that throw while he's being hit by the defender and doesn't hesitate, doesn't panic. He just delivers the football. Gotta love that as well. Now, I'll say this though. One of the things that impressed me the most about Dak today was the darts that he was throwing. And when I say that, I'm talking about the ball speed and the velocity and the sip that the football had in some of those slant throws to CD where the window is closing and he just fits it right through there, threading the needle. Just amazing work from Dak Prescott in that sense. And I will say this too. Leonardo here in the chat says, nothing really impressive. LA doesn't challenge much. Just a good practice before a real test versus Philly in Philly. I'll say this. Cowboys-Philly is the most important game of the year, and that is a very real test. I agree with that. The rest of the comment, and I say this very respectfully, is absolute BS. With all due respect, but it is. We are living in an NFL where the Kansas City Chiefs just lost to the Denver Broncos. The Philadelphia Eagles have gone back and forth with the Washington Commanders for two games now. They've been taken to overtime by the Commanders. And this is the team that we're treating as the real test and everything. But for them, struggling against those lesser opponents does not count. That does not count. For the Cowboys, for the Cowboys, the super big win, that does not count. But for the Eagles, their whole thing counts. And that's why we see them as that real test. That's just not fair. Not in today's NFL. Not when you're seeing the 49ers lose three games in a row. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. If you're putting teams away at halftime, and that's what the Cowboys did today, by the way, it happened at halftime, that accounts. It can be the Arizona Cardinals, and I know that the Cowboys lost to them. It can be the worst team. Whoever you think the worst team is in football right now, if you're putting them away at halftime, that counts. And that is definitely something that should be perceived as that in today's NFL. I think that's one of the most important traits that a contender team has to have, and that is putting teams away. Not winning one possession games, not falling into those close game traps. And also, you cannot have those, you know, eggs like the one that the Cowboys had. So I'm not trying to hide all of that. I'm I'm trying to say we cannot act like these big achievements do not matter because at that point, we're just being bitter fans who want the, who don't want to enjoy anything until the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, basically. Fair is fair. And to be objective, you got to be objective both ways. You cannot get too high on the good stuff, but you can also act like the good stuff is not good stuff, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I do think that that, that uh, had to be said. Appreciate you guys in the chat. 
Let's see here. Toxic says, it's amazing how well your QB looks when you have a scheme that does not look like it's stuck in 1995. And I agree. Manny says, key in my opinion was passing on first down. Uh, that opened things up. A lot of good down and distance situations. And actually, Manny, to further your point, with which I agree, by the way, I'm going to try to open here uh, from runningbacksdon'tmatter.com. The numbers on that, because he, he, Ben Baldwin does an amazing job breaking down the drives that ended with a rush or with a pass, that started with a rush or with a pass. And here it is. Cowboys, <clears throat> man, got excited there. When the Cowboys started a drive with a pass, they scored on 89.5% of their drives. That was their score rate on drives that started with a pass. When they started with a rush, 70%, which is still pretty high, and it goes to show you just how good the Cowboys were today. But uh, 90% touchdowns, man. Got to stick with it. Got to keep doing this, and I really hope that this isn't a one-week thing. It isn't a mirage, as we were talking about last week with the healthy injury issues. Hopefully, this isn't a, a mirage for the Cowboys. Hopefully, they stay aggressive. And man, it, it sounds silly, but it would be super dumb to not stick with what's clearly working and go away from what you were really struggling with earlier in the year. Sounds simple, but we've also seen enough football to know that sometimes coaches just don't, uh, don't agree with us in all of this aggression thing. Ladies and gentlemen, moving on, moving on to the defensive side of things, though. Moving on to the defensive side of things. How about De'Ron Bland? Holy smokes, this kid, man. Since the moment he was forced to start as a rookie in 2022, we've seen what Bland is all about. We've seen him exceed expectations at every turn. Yet he keeps exceeding them. And it's so impressive to watch. He's been playing outside since Trevon Diggs' uh, season-ending injury. And he keeps producing to the point that today he scored his third pick six of the season. Let put, let, let's put that into perspective here. And let's say, think about your favorite all-time Cowboys defensive back. Doesn't matter if it's Mel Renfro. Doesn't matter if it's Everson Waltz. It doesn't matter if it's Woodson. You can pick anyone. No one has scored three pick sixes in a single season. That's a first in franchise history for the Dallas Cowboys public relations team, which actually tweeted out that stat. And I would have never guessed that it was going to be the case. Now, let me say something about that pick, by the way. It was a bad throw from Matthew Stafford. There's, there's no other way to put it. It was not a good throw. He missed Cooper Cup by like five yards or something like that. And still, I thought it was an impressive play from Cooper uh, from Daron Bland because he's got kind of a little bit of outside. He's aligned outside, and then they switch release at the line of scrimmage. The wide receivers do. So they're basically trying to pick off Dayron Bland there, and he just is not fooled at all. He's breaking outside with Cooper Cup. He's working through traffic, and he's in position to make a play because he is not fooled. So 
we knew that the Cowboys were going to be, quote-unquote, fine without Trayvon Diggs. But I don't know if we knew they were going to be this fine. I don't know that we knew that De'Ron Bland was going to be one of the best cover cornerbacks in the entire NFL. Because I would have thought they, there would be some issues here and there. I would have thought we would get some strong cornerback play. But honestly, right now, the Cowboys still have one of the best secondaries in the entire NFL. And that's in big part because of Bland, who's not only getting the picks, he's playing well in coverage, he's batting the football down. He is making some impressive tackles here and there. There was a third and long play where they threw a screen pass right at De'Ron Bland. And he cut underneath all of the blockers and made the tackle in the open field, which was impressive as heck, by the way. But Bland is playing at a very high level. And not only that, on Sunday, on Sunday, I think we talked about, during the week, we talked about the Cowboys' pass rush potentially breaking this game. Right after that pick six, when the Cowboys were already up 17-3, to three, I tweeted out, okay, now it is where it could get ugly because the Cowboys suddenly knew that they could pass rush all day long against Matthew Stafford and a weak offensive line because that it is weak. Uh, the offensive line for the Rams really is weak. First play after the pick six, which actually was, um, what was it? Was it the, no, it wasn't the, the safety. I'm sorry. I was going to say something that would have been wrong. But anyways, Cowboys go out there and they line up Micah Parsons as a linebacker of the ball. And he walks up to the line of scrimmage, gets his pick of which gap to attack versus the center. One-on-one situation because the Cowboys show a five-man front. Damon Clark is on the edge. He drops back to coverage. So the Cowboys do not get a slide towards Micah Parsons at all, but still are rushing with four. That's the magic of Dan Quinn, something that we've talked about endlessly here on the show. And Micah gets the sack right away. And then after that, it was just pressure, pressure, pressure on Matthew Stafford, which might not be very visible in the scoreboard when you see that the Cowboys just had one sack on Matthew Stafford. But this was still a game where Micah and company dominated with the pressures. I cannot wait to see what PFF scores were in terms of pressures and stuff. But Micah had himself a big-time game on Sunday. Gotta love that. Let me know in the chat. Are you buying or selling? Because I swear I've seen this on Twitter already. Are you buying or selling the Defensive Player of the Year talk with De'Ron Bland? I know it sounds crazy to me too, but some people are talking about it. So you let me know. Are you buying or selling it? And I do want to see this though. Most picks in the NFL this year are... Mm, I don't know if these are updated, though, because I'm getting four here. But anyways, you guys let me know. You guys let me know in the chat if you are buying or selling that one. Shout out in the chat. They're making fun of me, and I get it. They're making fun of me because I called Dayron Bland a kid. But you know what? You know what? I have the right to call Dayron Bland a kid, and here's why. I'm going to Google to make sure. Oh, he he's actually... He's actually older than me, man. <laughs> I thought I thought I would have him beat, but we're both 24 years old. I'm from the 31st of July. He's from the 12th. So he's got me beat. 
Let, let's see here. Toxic Tom says, who was the last cornerback to win DPOY? It was Stephon Gilmore in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Manny says, Miles Garrett by far. And I'm going to say this. I'm selling that. Uh, personally, I'm not buying the hype of Bland potentially winning that award. It's just not a cornerback award. You got to have a crazy year. Stephon, like, like, think about this. Trayvon Diggs did not win and wasn't really a candidate when he had 11 picks. Troy says, Mo, maybe now you see the reason I want Mike at linebacker. You're coming around, I see. No, Troy, I, I, I am not coming around to that idea. I think what we saw today was not Micah playing linebacker and then rushing. It was Micah rushing and then occasionally lining up as a linebacker. That I'm okay with. That I am okay with. But I don't want to see, I don't want to see that uh, Micah, excuse me, off ball a whole lot. As, as least as possible. Please let him rush the passer as much as he can. Yeah, the chat is not buying it. I like it. I like it, man. Toxic says, Micah linebacker is the next Colin, Colin set guard. It might be. It really might. Uh, I'm not into it. I will say this, though. About 15 minutes after the game ended, and I'll be honest, uh, I might need to rewatch the fourth quarter, like most of it, once it was garbage time and Cooper Rush was in and everything. You know, at that point, I'm basically getting my articles done and prepping my show and everything. But I will say this, about 15 minutes after the game, it hit me. What, what happened with Rashawn Evans? We didn't see him as much as we thought that we would. At least that's what I think. I was expecting to see much more of Rashawn Evans, but it didn't feel like he entered the game until once it was over with. To be fair, it was over with pretty quickly. Because even though the Rams had the sandwich, which is what I called it, Mike McCarthy calls it the double-double, which is the score at the end of the first half and then score at the start of the second half. Even after that, the, the, the Cowboys' win probability sat at 97%. So it was like, damn. But I think that Rashawn Evans did not play nearly as much as I thought he would. He was in there certain plays and everything, but it was not a whole lot. So I don't even know what the correct answer to how Evans did is. I might have to rewatch him and uh, focus on how Rashawn Evans did. But I don't feel like we saw him a whole lot. He was involved in some special teams plays. Even in the Sam Williams blocked punt, he was in there, which was also a little bit of a surprise to me since Rashawn Evans entered this game with nine career special team snaps in 76 games played in his NFL career. So he's not very experienced on special teams. So we'll see that. Speaking of, some more notes. Let me know in the chat who is one player or which is one note that we haven't hit on that you think is an underrated aspect of this game. Let me know in the chat who is your one more note of this game. Let me know in the chat what you guys think about this? I have I have a couple of them. I have a couple of them. And Manny has one that works. He says, Turpin gets a round of applause. That holding on right wasn't needed and he's normally let go. Man, it was not needed. But it was, I think, egregious enough for it to be called. I'll say that. Uh, motion, says Toxic Tom. 
Cowboys used motion in 12 snaps, according to the numbers that I was given. 12 times, 11 were on early downs. That was fun to see. And we saw different sorts of motion, which was cool too. So we didn't get like the shifts only. We got the fast motions on the outside. We had jet motions going on. City Lamb was actually handed the football in one of those. Moved the chains with a 12-yard gain. Marquis Bell says Russell still playing lit. Turpin says uh, Manny over here. Ines Parsons is unstoppable. Let's see here. Uh, zero run game, says Troy. That is still an issue. 2.8 yards per carry for Pollard. Not what you want. And in a game like this, we might not care a whole lot. But we, when it comes time to close a game out with a lower lead, then it might be an issue, For of course. Also, Brandon Aubrey. Man, let me say something about Brandon Aubrey. The time came from here for him to enter the game and attempt a 58-yard field goal. Now, I was excited about the play. Do not get me wrong. I mean, a 58-yarder will always excite football fans. That's how it works. But I wasn't nervous. <laughs> I wasn't like, oh, man, is he going to make it? And I don't know if you guys went through this as well. I was excited, but I wasn't doubting that Brandon Aubrey was going to make it. And that made me think a little bit, and it made me think of, when was the last kicker? Who was the last kicker who made us feel this way in Dallas? And I don't want to, you know, steer the pot or anything like that. But I honestly think that the answer to that question is prime Dan Bailey. Automatic Dan Bailey. When he was automatic. I don't remember feeling that level of confidence since Bailey. And it might sound like a big statement to make, but you tell me if I'm wrong because we have not seen that in Dallas in a long, long time. Brandon Aubrey is amazing and got to give it to the Cowboys. I personally, very willing to eat crow. I was not expecting that start to his career for Aubrey, so very, very excited. Uh, Catherine says Maher too. And you know, Maher had that good year. He did. But I got to say, I never felt quite confident with him as I believe we're feeling with Brandon Aubrey. And I think I know the reason why. So Brandon Aubrey got to Dallas in 2018. That was his first season kicking in the NFL. He did have misses. Like he wasn't perfect. He actually had an 81% field goal rate. Right now, Aubrey is perfect. And it is a very, very good number, number in general. And even like last year, he started off on the right foot and was very consistent before the end of the year. But by then, he had been in the NFL for a while. We had seen him fail, etc. Uh, hopefully, we did not get that later in his career with Aubrey. But for now, we have not seen him miss at all. And he's making long field goals, including a 58-yarder. And he's not even making them very dramatic is like it, they are like you know anticlimactic they're down right down the middle and stuff like that so gotta love that gotta love that uh so that's one of my some mo notes i will say 
Shout out to Sam Williams. He wants more playing time. He wants more playing time. A blocked punt in special teams is potentially a good way to earn it. So there's that to consider. And I did see one comment here that I wanted to get to. Somebody talked about the offensive line. There's a lot of comments, actually, about the offensive line. Roger says, I am still concerned, especially with Steele. Terrence Steele, I will say, I, I know what you mean right there, Roger. I know what you mean. He can be beat badly here and there. But he's still, in my opinion, a, a, a starting caliber right tackle that I'm comfortable with out there. But I would struggle to really put him as one of the best players that the Cowboys have on the offensive line, to be honest. Definitely outside the top three when healthy, because I would put Tyler Smith potentially above him right now. There was this play where he was destroyed today. He was destroyed, but had a, had a decent game maybe after that, at least from what I remember. We'll see on the old 22. But regarding left tackle, though, now there's a concern. Tyron Smith missed the game with a neck injury. And Mike McCarthy said that it was an old issue that had returned. So, man, it's difficult to know what that means for the short-term future of the left tackle of the Cowboys. And then you know that it might pop up again because he's Tyron Smith. And this thing has been an issue for a while now. The injury and the availability and everything. Chumai Doga starts the game. And man, by the way, this is something that I was meaning to say and I forgot. This start to the game was like a very bad omen. <laughs> Early in the game, first three plays, you saw Dak Prescott be hit. Basically, that's what happened today. The opening drive just stayed alive because of an illegal contact penalty that moved the change for the Cowboys. Other than that, it felt like it's going to be a long day because it felt like Aaron Donald was going to be on top of Dak all day long. Byron Jong to pretty much everyone on the Rams defensive line because that's how the game started. I don't know what was it, but after the flag, that changed. Dak was actually under pressure in very few snaps. I think we looked at the next-gen stats earlier uh, on, on this show, and it said something about it being a season-low pressure rate, even season-low pressure rate. So even... After that tough start, the Rams did not get near Dak for the rest of the game. There were some close instances here and there. You know, there were the blitzes that we talked about earlier that Dak Prescott really was able to counterattack very well. But anyways, Chumayadoga goes down with an injury. It is an ankle injury. And according to Michael Gelkin, it is believed to be a low ankle sprain, which would be a major major uh, news for the Cowboys in the positive way. Because if it's a low ankle sprain, then it might mean it wouldn't be uh, a long-term concern. He could be back pretty quickly, just like Avante Turpin. When he suffered his own ankle sprain, he was back within the week. If it's a high ankle sprain, though, and he will have MRI to confirm, if it's a high ankle injury, though, uh, he could be out for a while. So hopefully that is not the case. In the meantime, I mean... Sam Richards is what the Cowboys have to work with. Do they pull off a move at the trade deadline? Seems unlikely. 
especially for an offensive lineman, which are tough to come by, even in the trade deadline. Would love it, but I don't know if, if they're going to find something or if they do find something, if they are going to pay for him. So we'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, for tonight, that will be it for me. Uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about this week, like a lot to get to, and I'm excited about it. So if you haven't, subscribe so you don't miss a single show of primetime. I am live every Sunday through Thursday night. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I thank you for choosing to listening to it. And I hope that you have a fantastic Sunday night. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great start to the week. Nos vemos mañana. Bye-bye.